0: Welcome back to the pod Crashed. Today's episode is about British Airways Flight 9. We also have a special guest uh, this week, Aaron from Mini Air Crash Investigation on YouTube. Be sure to check out his channel. This episode was so fun and I hope it's fun for you too. Before we get into it, I do want to let you know that we're hoping to share some of your stories um, in these episodes, Uh, any stories you might have about aviation, maybe you're a pilot, a flight attendant, maybe you're a flight engineer, maybe you're a mechanic, maybe you work in the airport on the ramp, any experiences you may have had, even as a passenger, uh, we'd love to hear those stories and share them on our podcast. Uh, You can feel free to reach out to us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, uh, or our email address, which is thepodcrashed at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, and we'll look forward to telling your story.
1: When we're ready... Mm -hmm. We'll just start. Perfect. Yeah. So, hi, Mariah. Hi, Casey. Hi, Aaron.
2: Hey, Casey.
3: <laughs> hi, Aaron. Hey, Mariah.
1: So we have a guest. Yeah. Yeah. This is Aaron, and uh, Aaron is the actual aviation expert. Yeah. Uh, he has. Maybe my favorite aviation channel on YouTube.
3: Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, can um can you tell all of our our many, many fans <laughs> about your channel?
2: Well, um, first off, right off the bat, I wouldn't consider myself an aviation expert. I just, <laughs> I just it's in
1: tears. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, Mariah calls me an expert, yeah. and I'm yeah, not. Yeah, it's in tears. I you an Don't
2: worry. Yeah, I, I just like you know read stuff and then just write stuff. So you know I'm not expert an expert in like the traditional sense. And yeah, I do run the channel Mini Air Investigation, and just you know I'm just like you. I just I just happen to do this as well. There's not much you know. I work as a software engineer. That's about it
1: it's a really good channel oh. it's really really cool if you like like what we do where we just tell stories about um mm-hmm. you know just tell the story of a plane crash or tell the story of an aviation disaster i am positive you will like aaron's channel it's mini air crash investigations on youtube well, I think... um and, uh, sorry
2: yeah um, thank you so much for your words
1: <laughs> yeah of course of course <laughs> I uh, think that you know, anyone can enjoy it. It's uh, more detailed because maybe not an objective expert, but certainly an expert at this table, certainly <laughs> the expert in
3: this conversation.
1: <laughs> and sometimes Erin gets some pretty cool interviews. So we'll talk a little bit more about that later in this episode. But uh, if you enjoy this story that we're about to tell, then you should definitely check out erin's channel yes so today we're telling the story of british airways flight nine nine it's also nine just, just nine. one number
2: nine just yeah, one
1: number yeah, actually right. i think it was, it was like
2: points. zero zero nine like <clears throat> there was like an Maybe I've seen it like abbreviated as 009 in some places, but on Wikipedia and like on most places, it's just nine.
1: <laughs> yeah. That checks out because when I worked for Japan Airlines, we had gel three, gel four, gel six. So we had, it was just one number. That's how we would describe it. Really? But um, we, it, the actual number written out would have been 007, 003, because like other JAL flights, like famously JAL-123, things like that. But my understanding comparing it with like working in domestic aviation and international aviation, I think that the singular number flights are uh, tend to be international flights.
0: Oh, okay. And
1: then, you know, your long flight number, like when I worked for Delta, they were all three or four digits long. And working for GEL, working in Terminal One in JFK, which is the international, you know, all big planes. Sure. Yeah. They usually were just one digit. I think it's kind of like the, in football, honestly, the quarterback or the um, kicker, like we'll have one one number number on their back and everybody else gets two. I don't know what it is about that, but I I think there's something to that so <laughs> I don't have a pop filter, so I just tie a scarf around my face.
2: <laughs> Perfect.
1: And it's that's, so, it's so good. So. Yeah. And that's that's again. creative
2: though. Maybe I should try that next time.
1: <laughs> it kinda of works. Yeah. I think it worked last time. I mean, if it
2: works, it works.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Brian, my husband explained like the what a pop filter is doing and when I kind of understood what he was saying then i was like i think a piece of coffee <laughs> <Yeah. with that." laughs> so yeah so speedbird9 is the other name that's a more casual name so we've talked about this a teeny tiny bit the idea that um like call signs when air traffic maybe i should let aaron explain this before i mess it up so why is it sometimes called speedbird9 i feel like
2: that's how air traffic refers to certain planes like instead of I feel like saying British Airways Flight Nine. That's like that's like long and winded, and they don't really have time yeah. for that, so they just like shorten it to Speedbird Nine. I mean, each airline has its specific call sign. Like another one that comes to mind is Norwegian Airlines. Um, I don't know. Mm. Yeah, um, they're called Red Nose. Like I don't I don't know if you have like seen oh, wow. their, um, like <laughs> that's awesome. Like have I don't know if you've seen uh, one of their planes, like um it's like it has a red nose and i feel like that's why they call their planes red nose so if like let's say they're flying from copenhagen to like say let's say jfk then they'd be probably something like red nose 23 or red nose 52 so yeah each plane um you know each airline has its own a unique call sign just to make things easier yeah that's cool yeah
3: yeah that's
1: that's Perfect. Thank you for explaining that because I have no idea if
2: that's true. I'm just, and that's just listen. What I see. we
1: tell the people what's true. <laughs> we, decide we the tell truth.
2: The people what's true. Okay. Just
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so um, I'm going to be using those interchangeably probably throughout this conversation. So for all of our wonderful listeners, if we say Speedbird Nine, British Airways Nine, simply perfect. Point. So, uh, this flight is in 1980, and the fact that you could still smoke on a plane will yes,
3: come up 100% <laughs> of the time.
1: 100%. Uh, June 24th, so a nice summer day. Uh, it's a 747, which, as we've discussed, is the best plane. Um, briefly, Aaron, what is the best
3: plane?
2: Oh, for me, it's gotta be a 737. Like,
3: really? Yeah. we should have had you on the max yeah (laughs) we just did a max episode
2: yeah for me it is the 737 i mean like i mean like whatever plane you get these days it's gonna be like good but for me it just looks really good and you know it's got um it can fly pretty much anywhere like it doesn't have the best range but it can fly pretty much anywhere it's versatile
0: and you know, save mm-hmm. for
2: the recent Max reliability issues, it's mostly a reliable plane. It's been flying since like the 1960s yeah. in some form or the from uh, some form or the other. And you know, I'm a big fan of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, everyone on earth can't be wrong, right? <laughs> it's like the most popular plane. Yeah. So. And I know that pilots like flying it, right? That was part of what caused the Max debacle was the fact that it's it we talked about how it's easier for the airline Mm -hmm. to not have to retrain people on a whole new plane but i don't think the pilots were probably complaining about that in theory yeah it's nice to keep flying your plane if
2: if your airline gets like another plane and you know you're automatically qualified to fly it that's like a good thing for the pilot for the pilots as well um even if you're like even if in airbus uh, i know someone that had to like graduate from an a320 to an a330 and i mean their cockpits are very similar but even so they still had to do like two weeks of trainings or whatever so you know if you're just like automatically qualified to fly your airlines new plane that's like good for the pilots as well
1: yeah yeah so as long as it's not the seven three seven max right. debacle, as long as the situation is safe going in, then it is nice. Yeah,
2: I feel like what Boeing had in theory was really good, and then the execution left a lot to be desired.
3: Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, the so oh, speedbird nine. 1980, June 24th, beautiful 747. Even though the 737 is very nice, the 747 <laughs> is actually the best plane. Okay. No. Um, okay. It's flying from... Oh, sorry. Pardon. No,
2: it's fine. Uh, I'm just saying, you know, I'm just with a bunch of 747 fangirls today.
1: <laughs> You've talked to a bunch of 747 fangirls? Right now, you're talking to No, right
2: now, yeah. I'm talking to a few 747 fangirls. Got you.
3: I am completely neutral. I mean...
1: Mariah, how dare you? No, you like the TriStar. Oh, yeah,
3: that is my favorite plane. But I've never seen one or flown on one. But it's still my favorite plane. (laughs) Excellent. Excellent choice.
1: Excellent choice that you made. So uh, this flight is flying from uh, LHR from Heathrow to Auckland, New Zealand. So in your mind, like look at your globe and you can see that's super far uh, from London to New Zealand, like from one side of the world to the other. It um, had a bunch of stops. Yeah. Um, it said, yeah, it, was, it said by a Bombay, which is like a fun throwback. So through Mumbai, it was Bombay. No, at the time I'm, it. I'm like
2: looking at the list right now. They stopped in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Um, wait, no, Bombay, um, Malaysia, Kuala Lumpur. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, Perth, and then Melbourne, and then Auckland. I mean, wow. it would have been annoying if you were flying from yeah. people to Auckland that day. But yeah. It's like four landings, four takeoffs. Oof.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's pretty close to. So what is it now? We were talking about the longest flight in the world. Now is from London to Perth, so which is an insane distance. But even that, I don't know. What do you think is worse, being on a plane for twenty hours nonstop, or doing the connections, or? It
2: it depends, honestly. Like. Um, if you want to get somewhere in a hurry, I feel like, um, you know, the 20 hour flight, just give me that. But if I want to stretch my legs, like, let's see, uh, Malaysia, like, you know, Bombay to Malaysia, that seems like, you know, uh, a four, four and a half, five hour flight, maybe that's like a doable distance. Mm-hmm. So if you get to stretch your legs in between, sometimes that's good. If, if you have kids, that's really great. Cause you know, you don't want them cooped up oh, for yeah. like 20 hours at a time. Right. Yeah, and then again, like yeah. today's planes are like much more passenger centric um, than the seven four seven, especially like the seven eight seven and the A three fifty. They have like mood lighting. They have wider cabins. You know, so the passengers sir. are,
1: sir, not in my. <laughs> this is a seven four seven.
3: <laughs>
2: okay, okay, really? I I know oh, my hey, place. Tell me
3: more about this mood lighting, I like it. Aaron's uh, bringing like... me over to the other side. <laughs>
2: it's like yeah <laughs> like for example like the 787 um you know i don't know how it works exactly but um the lighting inside the airplane changes so that you know you're not like super jet-lagged by the time you get to your destination so yeah. you know it kind of like hmm. the lighting kind of changes along with where you are in the world something like that it's really fancy stuff so the gist yeah. of it is that you're not going to be like super tired when you get there
3: interesting yeah, huh. yeah that that's is cool. cool
1: i i i think that the if you're flying on JAL when we had a 747 uh you had the luxury of everybody closing their windows <laughs> for the entire flight and not opening them under any circumstances because it would be rude to open the window so that is another there way you go. Of handling, uh, you're just creating mood lighting solution. <laughs> yeah a low-tech cultural solution but wow um <laughs> So that's a whole. I have like so many stories about that. Like, but the short of the shortest possible version is watching people. Uh, I flew from uh, Honolulu to oh to Osaka, Japan, and the passengers like the windows were closed the whole time. And if a passenger wanted to look out the window, they would take their pillow and play, like lay it against the window, over the window, and then slide the. The window down or up just a tiny bit so they could look out, but like they're making sure that no light is escaping into the rest of the cabin to be like yeah. polite and considerate, and then like close it. And oh, <laughs> I could talk about it all day. JAL is the best, but anyway, that wasn't on JAL. It was on right. stupid Delta, but anyway. <laughs> um, so this plane has two hundred sixty three souls on board, two hundred forty eight passengers, fifteen crew, three pilots. So. I think this plane probably sat 400 people I would guess Mm -hmm. is that I think I don't know I didn't look up the configuration of this aircraft but it's not it's not empty but it's not full yeah so
2: it's 400 is a good guess you know it's an early 747 it's it's designed to carry a lot of people so yeah 400 is a good guess and yeah yeah it's like you could say that it's maybe like 60% full
1: yeah, maybe like a little comfy. Yeah. Not super comfy, but a little comfy. We like to get into the minds yes. of the passengers, because like that's the thing when you're a passenger, you're really noticing right. how many people are <laughs> on board. So, um, Oh, and I looked up, Mariah, I, every single solitary week, I mean to do this and I've mm. never ever done it. Do you know that planes have names, like individual planes have, a, have like a name, really? like a boat. Yes, like every single plane has like a cutesy I nickname. <laughs> I don't, no. I know I've never mentioned it. I'm gonna start throwing it in though. This the name of like the literal, like God-given name of this plane was the City of <laughs> Edinburgh. <laughs> so
3: the city interesting of Edinburgh. to me, but that's the, the nickname. The City of Edinburgh.
1: Yeah, <laughs> the it's like the like, nickname how possible. All have names. this is the
3: longest nickname possible
1: (laughs) it is i've never in my entire life heard somebody use the name yeah it's not done i just think it's interesting that like they kept that going from yeah boats like boats all have names and is it like ever written anywhere like
3: how
2: do they know yeah um sometimes it's like written on the nose i've seen it written on the nose of some planes especially on klm ones they have it like written right under the um, right under the cockpit um, oh. so oh. there was this like one pan am crash um, i think in britain where you know it was like a bombing or whatever so there's like this picture of like a half a cockpit like lying on the ground and then the name of the um, of the plane, like I think it was called the Clipper of the Seas or whatever something like that. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. and it's just like plastered right beyond uh, you know below the cockpit. so yeah, that's usually where yeah. it is written.
3: Wow, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. the
1: um, we'll have to do that. that yeah, disaster so, so. sometime soon. but the uh, pilots we got, so again, 747, uh, certainly at this time has three pilots in the cockpit there's the captain the first officer and the flight engineer the captain is we're on first name basis as always uh the captain's name is eric the first officer is roger and the um flight engineer is barry so so they take off they're on the portion from watch me not write it down (laughs)
2: I think they're approaching Jakarta. So, since they're approaching Jakarta, if I had to guess, maybe that's like Malaysia to Perth, most probably.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. So we'll edit this out <laughs> we'll, Um, so they're on the we we have decided they're on the uh, Malaysia to Perth portion because it does make sense. Yeah, and uh, so it's it's evening. Like, folks have had their dinner, eight forty in the evening, and. Captain Eric has to go to the bathroom. Uh-oh. So he gets up and he goes to the bathroom. And somebody's in the bathroom. Uh, so on a 747, the pilots are on the upper level with business class or first uh-huh. class and business class. And so there were somebody who's in the bathroom. He's like, oh, I'll go downstairs. So he went downstairs to go to the bathroom. And then he gets called by the other pilots to come back and he's like okay so he starts to come back and on the way uh he notices or like people are starting to notice that there's the smell of smoke but it's the aged baby so they think it's (laughs) cigarette smoke (laughs) that comes up so often in these stories but so they think it's cigarette smoke and they come he returns to the cabin and the other pilots are like look and there's the most intense, like, radiant, beautiful St. Elmo's fire that any of them have ever seen. So, yeah, so St. Elmo's fire is, um, my understanding is that it's, um, it's basically static electricity in the air. Um, it's not lightning, it's little static electricity. So it's like this beautiful, like, fairy magic in the air. Do you know a better exa- uh, explanation than
2: that? Uh, it, it's kind of like, um, if I had to say, it's kind of like plasma, but, you know, more like electricity. Like, you know, static electricity, uh, like you said, is a good example. It's just, you're just like rubbing up against stuff in the air, and that's what creates it. Right. Um, so, yeah, static electricity is a good good way of explaining it. But it kind of looks yeah. like plasma, at least from pictures that I've seen. It kind of yeah. looks like plasma, but it's actually electricity.
1: Yeah, And it's, it's, it's vibrant. And like, you know, our ancestors <clears throat> thought it was, you know, like witches or something. You know what I mean? Our, our ancestors mm-hmm. were mesmerized by it when they would see it because it is mesmerizing, right? It is yeah. a thing to behold. Yeah. And that is the reason the pilots called him back. They to just see him it. Yeah. To see it. Because they were like, check this out. This is, this is crazy. The other thing that's weird though, is that St. Elmo's fire is usually not asked. Uh, 37,000 feet which is where oh, they okay. are at this point like they're at cruising altitude and that's Kind of like a funny yeah. spot to find it and they're just like oh Weird okay, like they're not immediately worried um, So as They are uh, like checking this out some people start to notice that the cigarette smoke smells more like oh, no. sulfur that's weird, right? So, passengers who were seated in windows by the engines could look out of the window and see that there's a strobe light effect on the engines. So there's already the St. Elmo's fire. But then there's this, I can't pronounce the word, but there's this, like, a strobe effect where the engines are glowing blue. From inside? From, pardon?
2: Yeah, like, are the engines glowing from inside?
1: There, I think at this point, it was, like, an effect of, yeah, of the heat. And there's, like, a, a blue aura around the engines. And it's strobing. It's, like, flashing. So...
2: Yeah. Weird like, consistently? Yeah, that... that w- uh, yeah. It, sorry? Yeah, it was, like, consistently blue. It was just, like, you know... It was glowing, basically. Basically, like, a ghost yeah. engine. Like, you know, imagine what a ghost engine would look like. That's probably what it looked like.
1: Wow. Exactly. Right. And
2: so, that would freak you out. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, you're flying through the Twilight Zone. And so... As the pilots are back, you know, on the flight deck, looking at this crazy St. Elmo's fire, one of the engines just dies, flames out. And so one of the, the uh, flight engineer is like, "Uh oh, like we've lost an engine. And they're trying to, they're going through the checklist procedure for what to do, you know, for an engine flame out, but then uh, another engine flames out.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah
1: and then i mean the last two engines flame out yeah uh, uh like within seconds like flame out and they've got a couple minutes and oh, then boom no. boom boom the other three engines die
3: and wait <clears> remind <throat> me how many engines so are there please four okay four
2: yeah uh, I, that's so that's all. Of that's something that you should know. Like since um, Casey's such a 747 <laughs> fan girl, that's something that you should know. I should. <laughs> Sir,
1: Mariah is not expected to know anything. That is Mariah. Knows no, he is
3: 100 right things, for but... someone who is a an elitist when it comes okay. to that. You know,
2: I should know.
1: You know how many engines your favorite plane, the tricycle has.
2: It's the Tristar. <laughs> How many would it have?
1: So these people are sitting on the flight deck. The pilots are sitting on the flight deck. All four engines have gone out. And a word that I believe it was a quote from the first officer that they, they feel like, so treacle is like a thick syrupy sweet, and I got this from I'll talk about where I got it from, but <laughs> they, uh, like, it was, like, thinking through treacle, meaning, like, if you imagine, I think what we would say is, like, molasses, right? Like, your brain is, like, slows down, and it's hard to understand what is happening, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're, you know, going through this, like, you know, fairy field in the air, and you're glowing blue, and then all your engines die. So, as they're... But, you know, as we have kind of talked about, right, with Carlos and, Mm. you know, other heroes, the plane doesn't just fall out of the sky if the engines die, right? But it does start to slow down, right? Because nothing is, you know, it's being propelled forward by its momentum. It's not being propelled forward by the engines. So they get on the... uh, They get on the intercom, and, or not the intercom, they get um, on the radio and they contact Jakarta Air Traffic Control and say, we've lost four engines, and air traffic control goes, oh, engine four went out, <laughs> and they're like, no. all four, all four engines, <laughs> all of them, not just engine four, all of them are gone, and um, ask if they can maybe please fly to Jakarta. <laughs> Right, and Jakarta Mm -hmm. says yes, obviously. So there's a bunch of math that we kind of allude to in these stories where the pilots really do have to have, like, a sense of angles and, Mm -hmm. you know, just some basic, not basic for everybody, but for them, basic math. Um, And they have something called a glide ratio. Um, And the glide ratio is as they fly forward, they are also descending because they don't have anything propelling them forward. So as they fly forward, they are also descending, and they need to know how fast that's happening because that's where they're landing. Like at the end of the glide path, that's where the plane's right. going to be no matter what, right? So they need to know how much time they have left in the air basically based on the glide ratio, and their glide ratio is 15 mm. to 1. And what that means is for every 15 miles forward they travel, they will descend in altitude one mile. So they do math in this bizarre, bizarre, bizarre thing, right? This bizarre moment that makes no sense. As they do this math and figure out um, that they have 23 minutes left in the air.
2: And it's like, if I may interject for a moment, it's um, you said that it's Please. it's like weird, but it gets weirder because usually when all four engines go out, you know, you expect some things to happen. You expect the autopilot to disconnect. You expect certain readings from the engine. But, you know, these guys weren't seeing that they had their um, they had most of their instrumentation. They had their autopilot. They had power. So, you know, this is not a, you know, a routine engine right. failure, if you can call right. it that so you know yeah so it was like really weird for them to experience you know they were really confused
1: yeah i'm so glad that you said that because that i don't know when i imagine this story all these things happen i i just i just feel like you would have to think it was a dream like it's so incredibly bizarre you know and confusing Mm -hmm. and you know like you're saying the the things that happen with an engine failure aren't happening. Mm-hmm. Like the plane's not giving you the information that you need. You have no idea why it's right. happening. Like things are happening, but none of them make sense. So you don't know how to right, put and them you together. have to just
3: act so quickly. Like you have to know what to do immediately.
2: Right.
1: Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Right. So as they are, um, they know what their glide path has is. They know they have twenty three minutes and they wanna head toward Jakarta. Um, But the problem is that uh, between them and Jakarta is a mountain range on Mm. Java, right? And again, like the problem is that they're descending. So they're trying to figure out essentially if they will, like by the time they're over the mountains, will they have descended? to an unsafe altitude where they could right. crash into a mountain, right? So basically they're going down slowly and the earth is literally rising up uh. out of the ocean to them. So they talk about ditching in the ocean. I think there was a really interesting story that you told um, on your uh, episode about this flight, um, Aaron, about um, how Captain Eric, when he was, they were considering this option of ditching in the ocean, which is obscene. It just—I don't know if everyone knows how. I think you can imagine it being scary, but I—I I, I kind of like low-key think that the Miracle on the Hudson made people not realize how, like,
2: it's, people don't know hmm. what
1: a miracle that was and like it's, how it's easily. It's called that could have a
2: miracle for a reason. Like that's that's yeah. the outlier and not the norm. It, it's yeah. it's scary.
1: Yeah, I think that there was a story you told about um, something that the pilot, he had an experience when he was a boy, watching planes land on the water.
2: Yeah, so his father, when he was a child, um, took them out to see flying boats, basically, which are just planes that that land and take off on water. And so um, he remembered that these planes did not fly at night because it was hard for the pilots of those planes to judge their, altitude above the water so that, you know, they could just touch down gently on the water. And they could not do that really well at night. So they decided to not like fly at all at night. So, um, so you know, he's thinking about that, you know, how am I gonna like get this plane into the water when I can't even see the water properly? And if you can't see the water, you, you, you don't know how, you, you don't know when you're gonna like flare the aircraft right before touching down, because you wanna hit the water at a nose high attitude so that, you know, you can slow down a bit uh, before the engines hit the water and they start scooping up water. So you want to hit the water at just the right angle. And for that, you're going to have to see the water. So at night, you know, you can't really see the water.
1: Right, and so um, just for everyone's benefit, so attitude is like uh, kind of uh, comparable to pitch, right? Mm-hmm. So if you imagine putting your hand out in front of you parallel with the floor and then lift your fingers up, so hinging at your wrist, so lifting your no- that your fingertips up. If your fingertips mm-hmm. are the nose of the plane, that's at the attitude of the plane is nose up. You need the nose to be above um, yeah. where the tail is. So the... So they're trying to figure out what they're going to do because they don't know. They don't want to crash into the mountains. They don't know why their engines have died. They uh, are over the ocean. So landing in the ocean might be what happens, and they need to consider that. But they And, like, landing in the ocean is better than crashing into a mountain, but also yeah. extremely bad. Um, another piece with landing in the ocean is, like, if either wing, like, touches down first like if one of the wings hits the water first then the plane will like Mm -hmm. somersault it'll topple over so yeah so they don't really want to do that and so as they're making this decision and like talking about this trying to figure this out um the cabin pressure fails which is something that again has come up in a lot of our conversations so the cabin pressure uh the cabin becomes depressurized and the masks fall right and again when those masks fall right people are not going to be able to breathe. Um, they will not be able to stay con- remain conscious, breathing the mm. air that is available to them. We've talked before about how in the pilots uh, in the cockpit, the they don't have like a mask that falls from the ceiling. They have like a portable oxygen, right? That they that they can move around. It's handier and it's right there. Mm. So they all take out their um, portable oxygen tanks to put the mask on. And friggin' Roger. Rogers no. just falls apart. It just breaks. It just falls Jeez. apart in his hand.
3: Poor Roger. It just
1: falls apart. Poor Roger. On top of everything else. so Now
3: my mask doesn't work. On
1: top of everything. So now they have to figure out what they're going to do because they need all three yeah. people. Like they need all hands on deck. They can't just send him to like go sit in the cabin with a mask on. They need him. They need his brain to be working. Normally, as we've discussed, what you do uh, when your cabin is depressurized, because the oxygen that's available in those masks, um, it only lasts like 12 to 20 minutes. And mm-hmm. so that it's just enough time for the plane to descend right. to a breathable altitude. Well, the problem with this plane is that when they right. descend, there's no going back up. Oh my God. It's not going to happen. Yeah, they, <laughs> so they don't they're have not any... going to be
2: able to maintain their altitude. So, you know, they need they need all the time the air that they can get
1: right exactly so now he has to decide do i lose this pilot who we absolutely need do i lose him either to hypoxia or to have him send him send him away right to the cabin to just sit and wait or which is not really an option or do i descend more rapidly and 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 risk well because again once as they descend if they descend more rapidly they will come to rest right. on the earth wherever they are more rapidly <clears throat> so they so uh captain eric is like oh like honestly fuck <laughs> it we're i guess we're descending because okay. we need all three people <laughs> like all hands on dock we can't lose this guy and we have to you know we it's gotta happen. So he starts to descend more quickly, not yeah. rapidly to be clear, but he did yeah. increase the rate of descent. So now they're uh descending toward thirteen thousand feet and there is the the height of the mountains that they're approaching are I think eleven eleven hundred or eleven thousand five hundred feet. So they're approaching uh, 1,300 feet. The mountains are 11,500 feet tall. So they're getting close to the line where they're going to be within 1,000 feet of the mountains. And there is like an additional piece. So you don't want to crash into a mountain, obviously, but turbulence becomes more intense over mountains because the air flows over the mountains. It's uh, like rapids. So in a river, Mm -hmm. right, rapids are caused by rocks under the water, and the water is, like, bouncing over those, so in the air, if you have mountains, the water or the air is, like, bouncing over the mountains and creating more turbulence, so that's just, like, an additional piece that's not great, like, you don't want to be close to the mountains at all.
2: Yeah, it's usually, like, you know, um, even um, glider pilots, they tend to avoid mountains just because of how much turbulence that they produce, and it's, it's not, like, uh, it's really inconsistent turbulence, like depending on the peaks, if you have like jagged peaks, the turbulence is going to be like a lot more severe. If you have like rounded, smooth, smooth, like mountains, like, you know, hills, basically, it's going to be like a little bit softer. So, you know, it's just, there's just a lot of unknowns there. Just, you know, how severe is the turbulence going to be? Cause usually no one's like flying right. this low at this point. So it's not like, you know, right. so they really don't know what to expect.
1: Right so and they also like the whole thing it's just and the mask yeah. broke and like there's a million different things right so as they're descending uh for a concept of time this has been like 15 minutes so it's been a long like a protracted like uh, slow and fast you know like like all of quarantine how it goes yeah. really fast and really slow you know but the um they are this whole time they've been you know problem solving right they've been trying they don't know what the problem is they know what their problem is because their problem is that the engines all died right so they've been doing uh just different uh troubleshooting like anything that they could think of going through the checklist trying to figure it out so and just re trying to restart Mm. the engines over and over and over again right so as they're coming down in altitude they're trying to restart engines which are one by one so it's just to be clear it's not like your car where your car will just like you know there's one engine in your car that's born point. so we're trying to restart the engines and like if friggin engine four really just pop back on (laughs) yes so engine four just pops back on finally right it's not running amazing but it does pop back on right so as they restart engine they, you know, are trying to restart the other engines. So and like one by one by one, all of the engines just magically oh. pop back on, right? So, Amazing. Yeah. And so they're like, Oh my god, like right. And they're obviously, you know, they informed Jakarta. They would like to you know, the engines came back on. Oh, okay. I didn't tell one of the best that's okay. uh, I didn't that's tell okay. the announcement he made. Oh yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's a good part. Cannot miss it. Yes. So, right, because for 15 minutes, all the people in the cabin uh, also observe that something is off, right? Because they're <laughs> flying through the ferry field and the engines are glowing blue, right? and <laughs> So the captain makes this announcement over the intercom. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We have a small problem. All four engines have stopped. We are doing our damnedest to get them going again. I trust you are not in too much distress.
2: That's like Literally. the understatement of the century, I feel like. It's
3: All just... four it's, engines
2: have stopped. I mean, stopped. like... The... But it's fine.
1: Yes. He lets them know they're trying. Like, we're doing our damnedest to get them going again. Like, but <laughs> I trust you are not in too much distress. Is so British, like, I can't deal. Like, like, I, I assume you're not right. letting your emotions get the better of you. <laughs> no, like, right? not the time. Like,
3: <laughs> like, buck up, child. Yeah. Yeah, at and least he gave it to them straight. We have a small problem, though. I feel like this is right. not necessarily yep. a small problem. It's,
1: it's not a small problem. But I mean, but I is, guess Steve's
3: not, they're not supposed uh, to freak out the passengers, right? It, that doesn't help anybody. Yeah. Right, right
2: yeah especially yeah. if you if you have to evacuate um them like after you hit the water or something you need them to be aware of what's happening and you you and you need them to like have time to right. process what's going to come next so that they can evacuate quickly like uh, maybe Casey can elaborate uh this on more since she's like talked to flight attendants and people like that so um you know you need them to be aware of yeah. what's going to be happening so it's good to like give them a little bit of a heads up so they can like prep themselves you know hey where's the nearest exit where's my um yeah. where's my life jacket thingy you know so so that they can just be prepared for what right. comes next
1: right right no you do you need everybody to understand that there's a problem you need everybody um like there with you but you also do yeah. need people to stay calm because it's a full-blown disaster if people um either like crowd the exits yeah. and get like jammed into them or if people there's like a uh, i think an aerothol crash that i just i don't know if we're mm. gonna do it because it makes me sick but um like Without going into all the details, like, the plane is on (laughs) fire, on the tarmac, on fire, and people are coming out with their bags. People were getting their bags out of the overhead compartment. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, no, 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 People are intolerable,
2: honestly. That's actually – I mean, that's actually uh, been seen, like, I I remember – I think it's Emirates Flight 521, that exact same thing, the plane crash-landed and people just started getting out, you know, getting their overheads out and stuff. I feel like that's more of a response to being in extreme mm. stress maybe, like, you know, uh, cause I've seen, seen it in like so many places. It's just that, you know, you're in so much stress that your brain just defaults to what you would normally do in a normal landing just right. to get your overhead bins out. Yeah, so maybe, maybe it's, like, psychological, and maybe they're not, like, doing it on purpose, but, you know, I'm not a psychologist, so I don't know.
1: Well, like, to your point, that can certainly be true, and, like, to your original point, that's why you need people,
2: like, right. to stick
1: with you, right? Mm-hmm. You need people to not be um, kind of right. on any kind of autopilot, because it's a whole new experience. Your autopilot's not going to work for you here, you know? Mm-hmm. So you need people to... Um, Like, the brace directions are so, so, so basic. Like, you know, just, like, head down, hold your ankles, like, nothing. You know, like, ultra, ultra basic. Like, do exactly Mm -hmm. what I'm saying. Don't ask questions. Don't anything. But then, once it is time to evacuate, you need people to, you need people's brains to stay on to at least a certain extent, Mm, if possible. Right, yeah. So, so... All the engines have popped back on, and they don't know why. They don't know why they went off. They don't know why they came back on. Here we are. So they ask if they can ascend. So not only (laughs) do they not crash in the mountains, but they also want to be, like, nice and far away from them like they normally would be. And as they get permission from Jakarta, they're still going to Jakarta. They don't know what's going on with the plane. Um, But as they ascend, uh, the St. Elmo's fire comes back. Like boop, 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 all the stars around them and all of the like flashing lights and they go nope, nope, <laughs> nope, nope, nope and descend back down because they don't yeah. know what happened yeah. but they're pretty sure there's something to do with it and uh, so finally they come around and they um, safely they're preparing to safely land in Jakarta right, um, but they cannot see through their uh, uh, windshield at all the windshield is is almost completely really? opaque and uh, so they need to use the ILS. They need to use the um, instrument landing system, or instrument, system? Instrument landing system? No, it's not. Yeah. It, it is. Yeah,
2: system? they. Yeah, they had the instrument landing um, thing. Yeah, they were using the ILS, but if I remember correctly, the ILS, at least the vertical. I mean, yeah, the vertical navigation of the ILS system was not working. It's like. Um, yes. So basically, when you're using an ILS system, um, you need like two kind of navigations. You have like vertical navigation, which tells you how high you should be at any given point in the approach. And you also have um, lateral navigation, which tells you uh, where you are from like left to right so that you're you're, like perfectly aligned with the runway. So they had the localizer, which meant that they were lined up with the runway, but they uh, did not know how high they were supposed to be which means that, you know, they didn't have vertical navigation. So mm-hmm. you had, like, one pilot who was just, like, you know, telling Captain Moody, you know, hey, we're at, like, X distance from the runway right now, and so we should be at X altitude, at X thousand feet right now. So- right, so they're,
1: they're doing, that just means, to, I don't mean to interrupt you, and I want to definitely for you mm-hmm. to finish that, but I just want to say so that what it is, if you can't see, right, if there's fog, if there's anything like that, if you cannot see out of the aircraft, you use your instruments to tell you where you are in space, which is what Aaron's explaining. And because they don't know how high the computer cannot tell them how high they're supposed to be, like we talked about glide path, it can't provide their glide path to them. So they're literally doing math. Like they're just sitting there like, boop boop boop, like a like wow. scratch paper, like doing the math or in their head to figure out if we're this far away, we need to be at this altitude. If we're this far away, we need to be at this altitude. So... Um, but go ahead and go
2: on. I'm sorry, I didn't catch you. Off. Yeah, it's yeah. Basically, so basically, um, there's this approach chart that says you know, hey, if the ILS isn't working, you know, you guys can do what's known as a step down approach, which basically says, okay, when you hit let like, like let's say when you hit 10 miles from the runway, get down to let's say 5,000 feet. When you're like five miles from the runway, get down to fifteen hundred feet. When you're like three miles from the runway, get down to one thousand feet. Those so those points are like well defined. And usually what that's meant to do is to get you um within the general vicinity of the runway. So when you hit that final approach fix or like that final point, you'll be able to see the runway and then you know you can just make an approach. But for these guys since their glass is like frosted up i mean since it's been like sandblasted they can't really see outside so they have to do this and hope that they touch down on the runway when you know after that final approach fix so they they have this little sliver in the glass where they can see out and that's how they're basically flying the plane
1: So, everybody who lives in Buffalo or like any cold, snowy place, do you know like when you're late for work (laughs) in the winter and you don't want to scrape your window? And so you get into your car and you blast the heat and you're late. So, yeah, you 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 take off. Tiny sliver of your car that you can you take off, you're going, we're rolling. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's what the pilots are working with. Like, that's how they're landing this stricken plane, right?
3: With like 400 (laughs) people on board. What was it? How many? 200. Oh, uh,
1: 263, I think, but still, a yeah, lot of matters lots of people on board. Right? <laughs> so, so like as they're landing, they're like peeking through like the little Lord. tiny sliver of the glass, and they again back to our like they fucking landed <laughs> it, like,
3: fucking landed it.
1: They, 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 they put it down, and so I don't know if. Everybody knows that when the pilots are taxiing, they're, you know, driving the plane like a car, right? So they they have to uh, see <laughs> yeah. out their windshield in order to drive. Once they land, you know, like the lights on an in an airfield are super super bright. Um and the light is like shining on their windshield and making it completely <laughs> opaque. So if you look through frosted glass and it's just like this like bright shining light, they can't see anything. And so they just stop the plane and they're like, this is where the plane is now. <laughs> like yeah, they've had enough. They have had enough see. of
2: this flight. So have... the... Yeah. <laughs> they're like, you're gonna have to come get us.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> right, right. So they, uh, I, I do think they did, they did um, like tow the plane over to a gate, right? Or did people get off right there? I think oh I, I think they probably got out like evacuated the plane there yeah. and then towed the plane over.
2: Yeah, that's probably what they did.
1: So as they are getting out of the plane, um they realize for the first time that the, the pilots realize that they're covered in like a layer of soot.
2: Or ash.
1: Ash is what it actually is, right? <laughs> so what had happened was they had flown no a volcano, a volcanic eruption. Oh my god! So let's find the paper. They had flown through Mount Gulanggang. Is that what we're going? I have,
2: I have no idea how you pronounce that. I don't think I pronounced that in my video for that exact reason because I could not figure out how to say it. And I did look it up on YouTube, but then I forgot. Yeah. I was like, you know what? I'm not gonna butcher that. I'm not gonna yeah. do that to the Indonesian people. Yeah. I mean,
1: we love the Indonesian people, and we yeah. obviously have many, yeah. many fans in Indonesia. No, So but we will. By the time you're hearing this, hopefully so. Um, I I think Mount Gulunggulung would be a great way to pronounce it, and I'll I would really like it if it was pronounced that way.
3: But it's probably
1: Gulunggung. Someone. Send us an email, yeah, thepodcrash at gmail dot Let us know. <laughs> so they had flown through the uh, the the mountain or the volcano had erupted, and oh they had flown God. through the ash field. Right. So uh, volcanic ash. Uh, I hope none of us ever, ever, ever are anywhere near yeah. volcanic ash. But like, if you've ever heard of Pompeii, you know that volcanic ash yeah. is like burning hot, right? It's, it's like a horrifying yeah. death, like powder, whatever. So, as um, the ash entered the as the ash entered the engines, right? So as the engines in, uh, were taking in all of this different, all of the ash. The molten ash, the already super hot ash, entered the super hot airplane engine and melted onto the, like, and adhered, like, glue to the inside of the engine. And as it, like, adhered to the inside of the engine, it obviously, like, killed the engine. But then as they descended, it cooled and hardened and then like, you know, pumice or whatever is like a very fragile rock. I don't know a <laughs> geologist can tell me how wrong oh, I am, right. but like the 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 ash, the molten ash that had hardened like glue to the inside of the engines, like just literally like snapped off. Oh right. Yeah, like when sure. you have mud on your shoes and you like stamp it off after it dries. So it had all just like fallen off as they had descended and it had cooled. And that's why wow. they were able to restart the engines that was
3: lucky yeah. very lucky very lucky and it was just like a freak <laughs> accident like they didn't yeah. the so... volcano wasn't scheduled to, to erupt that day <laughs> <laughs> exactly
1: i
2: mean i mean um had they not descended because you know the first officer's mask had disintegrated had they not descended they probably would not have gotten out of the um wow. the ash cloud when they did. And so, you know, God knows when the engines would have right. restarted in that alternate scenario where they just continued to be in the ash cloud for as long as possible to conserve altitude. So, you know, I guess yeah, that was kind sure. of blessing in disguise, maybe.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, God just reached down and just melted that mask. <laughs> just. Oh my gosh. But the, yeah, nobody was injured. Um, the plane. No was real dirty. The ash had like like Erin had said, it, it yeah. sandblasted the wind, the windshield. Like that is what happened. It was just you know, I don't know, I like I'm trying right. to think of you know frosted glass basically. Wow. So nobody was injured. Amazing. Everybody lived. I've no idea when people <laughs> got to Auckland. <laughs> like imagine you have like four connections. Yeah. Like everyone's very happy to be alive and it's great. And actually there was like a, this was a really big, like, this is kind of a a famous disaster, right? But it was really big in the UK and maybe New Zealand too. But one of the passengers like wrote a book about it Mm -hmm. and they had like a 25th anniversary reunion (laughs) where like the people that were on the plane, like got together to, to like hang and think about how nice it is to be alive. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah, I feel like um, the the people on the Miracle on the Hudson, they do it as well. US Airways Flight fifteen forty nine. I think yeah. they do it as well. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, like, why wouldn't you?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's cool. I know. I think about like. I, I think I'll probably actually not tell this story about when Sully, the man himself, flew yeah, out Buffalo, but <laughs> we'll now. skip it. are gonna. I mean, it is story. amazing. Like, but you,
3: that uh, is um, something that connects you when you survive a plane crash together or a potential plane yeah so that yes this didn't yeah an aviation disaster aviation
1: disaster (laughs) see remember when when we were naming this thing um like aviation disaster cast was like the only name i could come up with for like four weeks and mariah and Ty, her husband, were both <laughs> like, I don't think that's it, Casey. Yeah, I don't think. <laughs> but it's a word that we use, and it would have been, it, it was the wrong name. So I'm glad that I have your excellent judgment. But um, the, so uh, if you enjoyed this story um, and you want to see yeah. a real interview, With the man himself, Captain Eric Moody, who is a delightful old British man now. This is in 1980. He's just a truly delightful old British pilot man. And you can watch a really cool interview with him on Aaron's YouTube channel. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Get get over
3: there now.
1: It's a really, really fun interview. He's... I mean, he's the man who told everyone we have a small problem. Like, he Wait. makes jokes. He's funny. He's darling. Did you get to talk to him more than that, Aaron? Like, is that a segment? Yeah,
2: we, uh, yeah, that is a segment we talked a little bit before and after that. And he's just, you know, he's just a really cool person to hang out with. He's just, yeah. you know, he's like a perfect That's grandpa. That's the best yes. way I can describe it. That is, and he, like, he speaks and writes like a poet yeah it's it's like yeah he he just has this way of speaking Mm. which is just really captivating and really clear-headed and that's probably why they got down that day because you know had it been like pretty much anyone else there's a good chance that they would not have made it because it takes a lot of skill and on top of skill it takes a lot of um, clear headed thinking, you have to prioritize things and just think clearly to get down. Like, you know, skill is only like part of the equation. You have to be like, okay, we're, you know, we're in a pickle here. What can we do? What can we do to like fix what's happening right now? And that kind of presence of mind, it's just, it's just something that you have innately and not something that, you know, you can just get. So yeah, he's, he's just, absolutely amazing and the funniest thing is he thought that um all of this would blow over and like you know th- by december of 1982 when did this happen this
1: right, and he said like i thought everyone would be done talking about it by christmas or like
2: yeah you know? nope that's We're what Still he talking said. about it
1: we are still yeah, talking it about is. it because it's a it, miracle it's amazing it's, it,
2: it's 2020. I mean, it's 2021, yeah. and I mean, we're
3: still talking about.
1: It. Yeah, like yeah.
2: We're
3: gonna talk about it,
1: right? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Especially since everybody lived, you know, everybody was fine. But yeah, there's a lot of little things. Like it is an interesting um, flight to find out more information. Like there's a lot of. Because the passengers knew something was wrong, this always gets me. They knew that the plane was in trouble, so a lot of people wrote um, like goodbye oh. messages and letters to their family and stuff like that. And it's yeah. really nice yeah. that all of them got to just yeah. hand that note to their family. Changed members. a lot of
3: perspectives I mean, that day.
1: Yeah, that is the wow. story of British great. University I love Split a good night. ending. And like we we probably touch on this almost every time, but you know we. Like, we don't want people to, like, listen to no. this and be more afraid to fly. Like, if anything, it really, hopefully, will right. make you feel less afraid to fly. Because, I mean, nobody, like, volcanoes just right. erupt whenever they feel like it. You know, earthquakes, schedule. volcanoes, things like that. Like, there's no warning. There's no schedule, right? And like, maybe people remember when the um, volcano yes. on Iceland erupted oh and, like, shut down air travel over the yeah, and. Yeah, and
2: that's why they shut it down because you know stuff like this can happen. So you know, obviously, people have learned from their mistakes. So and that's the really important thing because you know now when um you know now when and when a volcano erupts, we know what to do, and we have better satellites now. The main issue with what happened that day was that the ash cloud only showed up on satellite photos after they had flown through it. And since we have, like, better satellites now, I feel like it would be easier for us to detect an eruption
3: mm-hmm.
2: and yeah, react accordingly. That. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. I, like, flying is safer than it was in the 80s because of what pilots went through in the 80s. So don't be scared. Yeah. Don't be scared of volcanoes. Right. Just a little Maybe bit, Maybe be though. scared of volcanoes. I feel <laughs> like when that...
2: Just, just- Stay away from the general direction of the volcano. That's, like, <laughs> yeah. that's like the best advice that we can give you. Yes.
1: <laughs> exactly. Uh, when that volcano erupted in Hawaii over, like, two summers ago, I don't know how long it was, but do you remember when that volcano no. erupted on, on Hawaii? And, like, it was just, like, but it was just, like, bubbling. Like, God. it was just, like, a slow river. Lava. I don't know. Do you remember that? No? No. Uh, some I, I don't think I'm making it up. I'm pretty sure it happened, yeah. and it really bugged me because like people's houses were getting like swallowed. Like I don't know if anybody died, but like you'd have to evacuate, and then your house would oh, just gosh. get like swallowed by a a lake of lava. And I just something about that, like I don't know, snow. Yeah. Like we grew up with so much snow. It melts. Snow was predictable. You know what it does. You know when it's going to do it. It melts right. Just. Something about, like, earthquakes and tornadoes yeah. and volcanoes. I don't know. Maybe we'll there have a go. volcanologist Perfect. on one of these days. Well, thank yeah. you so, so much, um, Aaron, for coming on the show. It's really, really great to and have everyone you. everyone go check
3: out his YouTube
2: page. My yeah.
1: Yes. What is the name of it one more time?
2: Uh, it's Mini Air Crash Investigation. Right page. up our alley.
0: Perfect.
1: Yes. And thank you it very <laughs> it really is <laughs> and um because again so aaron did um cover this flight and some of the other flights that we've done and um his video on delta yeah. 1080 amazing um and yeah. thank you mariah <laughs> as always from the bottom of my heart everybody pray for mariah maybe by the time you're listening yeah, to this hopefully. she'll be all better and as yeah. new and that's thank what i you. hope but yeah. still so pray for
2: get better
3: Everybody (laughs) wear a mask. Serious out here. Wear a mask.
0: So before we go, uh, there are a couple of things that we wanted to touch on. Uh, One, we did get some questions about um, SJ Flight 182, the plane that crashed outside of Jakarta this week. Uh, At time of recording, we don't have the black box for this flight, so we really don't have any idea what went wrong. Uh, But because this Flight is being reported as a Boeing 737 crash. A lot of people are concerned that it's related to the uh, 737 MAX catastrophes. Uh, the truth is that this aircraft was 26 or 27 years old. Uh, it has nothing to do with the problems that we discussed uh, in last week's episode about the 737 MAX 8s. Uh, There's no MCAS system on board this plane. Um, We really don't know what went wrong yet. But the truth is, it couldn't have been related to those problems. Um, We'll talk more about that next week. And uh, hopefully by then we'll have a little more information uh, for you. But it'll be a while before uh, the report comes out. And we really know what happened in this tragedy. Our hearts go out to... The families and friends of the 62 people who lost their lives on board that plane. For corrections, this week, uh, right off the bat, this whole story happened in 1982, not 1980. If you noticed something else uh, that we got wrong, feel free to throw us a message. Uh, you can email us at thepodcrashed at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Patreon. Hey, we love to hear from you. Uh, It's really fun (laughs) to get those messages. So uh, feel free to reach out with anything. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and we'll look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you.